this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 10.30 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Good morning. Almost every Sunday, Mrs. Wilson was giving us lemonade and vanilla wafers to help us. 
hope you know that. I hope you sense that. It's, it's more than vanilla wafers and lemonade. It's so much more. In fact, not too long ago, I opened that Bible the Wilsons gave me, and I found in there a prayer concern that said, please pray for my hamster Smokey who died this week. Important conversations happen around those tables with vanilla wafers for children of all ages. And I'm so grateful for people like the Wilsons who cared enough for our kids, uh, for me, to give of their time and to do that for us. But here we are talking about the Christian practice of study. And maybe this morning you're thinking, mm, I don't know how I give myself on the grade of study. And maybe you did not spend a lot of time growing up in church. Maybe you've never truly tried to take studying scripture particularly seriously. Or maybe right now you recognize that you have a Bible, but it serves more as a coaster on your end table than an actual book you read. There's, you don't need to confess anything today, but the Bible is this central document to Christians. And of course it spends, it spends thousands of time. It was written in mostly two languages, Hebrew and Greek, although there is some written in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. Our Bible is 66 books. I usually call it an encyclopedia, but really I'm sort of noticing that's a dated phrase these days. Uh, maybe a library is a better way to think about what the Bible really is, uh, full of different books that tell us history and law and culture. There's poetry, there's prayers, there's, there's irony, there's metaphor, there's surprise endings. Look, I'm telling you, the Bible could make days of our lives have a run for its money drama here. And if you don't know that, then you have clearly never read the Song of Songs. Or just look up a woman from Judges named Jael if you want to learn about what her scandalous story is. There's so much in these 66 books. And in the Gospels, we see Jesus. God's Word in the flesh. We learn about God through the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Sometimes these writers tell the same story about Jesus in their own way. Sometimes they tell their own unique story. Um, what we see, though, in the Gospels from Jesus is that Jesus knew scriptures well. He knew them. He must have studied them. He learned them. He memorized them. He quoted them often. He used them for his own prayer. I think what comes to mind is the prayer he prayed, some of the last words he prayed from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's from Psalm 22. He didn't have the scrolls of scripture there beside him. He knew them because they were a part of who he was. Jesus wrestled with scripture. Sometimes we see in the Gospels that he would hold it up for more accountability to everyone. Other times he seems to push back on the general interpretation of the day, which is why he so often bumped heads with Pharisees. I think one example that came to my mind was in Matthew 12, where Jesus heals a man's hand. And he does this on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees are outraged because he has broken the Sabbath law of keeping the day of rest. And Jesus says to them, look, if your sheep is in the ditch, you 
get your sheep out of the ditch. In other words, you help them now, not wait. He was pushing back on the general interpretation of a sense telling them they have so focused on following the letter of the law that they were missing the spirit of the law in the first place. Other times, we see Jesus expand upon the scripture. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, which of course is in Exodus chapter 21. But in his most famous sermon on the mount, from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, he expands upon it. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. And if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What we see in Jesus is someone who was up close and personal with Scripture. We see that he knew and loved Scripture, that it was a rich part of his life. And of course, when we come to worship, that's one time where we spend some time learning about Scripture, and I'm so grateful you didn't have to be here. Cracker Barrel's open, the golf course. You could have been a million other places. I shouldn't give you ideas. You could have been other places right now, but you have chosen to spend this time in worship, and I'm grateful. Um, but we also have our set Bible studies. There are Sunday schools. There's our own devotional time. In my Sunday school class that I'm doing right now, uh, today, uh, one, of the, one of the homework assignments was to choose to read five scripture verses every day this week. Just five verses. One preacher I admire likes to say that the Bible is a gift to be opened and rummaged around in. I love that. A gift to be opened and rummaged around in. Paul says to Timothy in his letter that scripture is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In other words, he's encouraging him to be close and familiar with Scripture, equipped, ready to go, so you have the tools you need. You know, it reminds me, this is an old church joke, and play along if you've heard it before, but there's this joke about a minister at the end of worship said service one Sunday. He said, I've got homework for everybody. Next week, I'm going to preach on the topic of the sin of lying. So this week, I need everybody in preparation to read Mark chapter 17. And so Sunday goes by, and he comes in to worship, and he says, Okay, raise your hand if you did your homework this week and read Mark chapter 17. And a whole bunch of hands go up in the room. And he said, Okay, good to know, because there's only 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 1. 
advice for living the Christian life, or choose one of the Gospels. Mark's the shortest if you're going for time. Luke happens to be my favorite Gospel. Choose a Gospel and just read through it all from start to finish. It's amazing to me, though, especially as I get older and hopefully deeper and more familiar with Scripture, how I can read a passage a hundred times, and suddenly on that hundred and first time, I hear and see something different that I've never noticed before. I think it's how the Spirit works, frankly. Maybe it's a message that I need to hear at that place in time in my own life, and it's because maybe right then I needed that correction or that challenge or reproof, as Timothy puts it, that I needed to hear. Sometimes, after worship, people come up to me and they'll say, Karen, when you said such and such, you were talking to me. And I can't tell you how many times that I think, I didn't really say that. Frankly, sometimes it's not even what I was trying to say. But I always am convinced, I love that when it happens, because to me, that's how the Spirit works. That means somebody heard something in the text that they needed to hear, that God needed them to hear. That's how the Spirit works. It meets us where we are and leaves us changed. And finally, I've given this advice before, but I want to say it again. I think it's important for you to try to memorize a favorite passage because you never know when you will need those words close to your heart. As they roll you into the operating room. I look to the hills from where does my help come from. As you stand at the foot of the grave, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. As you get ready to take a big test or walk into a new school or a job interview, he will not let your foot slip. Those words, sometimes we need them closer to our hearts than we realize. And also sometimes in our lives we come to times and places where we feel like we just don't have the words. And in those moments, as people of faith, we can turn to Scripture. Use somebody else's words. And we can remember. You know, this week as I was watching all the images of devastation from Hawaii, all I could think of is God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Psalm 34. Get close to Scripture. But the truth is, I happen to think that's only part of the challenge of this lesson for us all. You know, one of my favorite authors is uh, Wendell Berry, a good Kentuckian, and he has a wonderful novel named Jaber Crow. And his novel has a perfect example to me of what the other challenge of studying scripture is. And uh, I'm going to mention a little excerpt of it. And in this novel, Jaber is a barber. He lives in small town Kentucky. And um, in his town, he happens to struggle with one person in particular, and it's a guy named Troy. Troy is a big agribusinessman. He thinks, Jaber thinks he's ruining small farms. And also happens to be married to the woman that Jaber has loved for many, many years. And when the story takes place, it's in the 19, late 1960s. 
So the civil rights movement and the Vietnam War are all around them. And in this passage, one evening in Jaber's barbershop, Troy comes in and starts talking about how much he hates the Vietnam War protesters. He hated every single one of them. And in the book it says, Troy said they ought to round up every one of them idiots and put them right in front of the darn communists and whoever killed who, it would all be to the good. And there was a little pause. Nobody wanted to try and stop Troy. But Jaber says it was hard to do, but I quit cutting hair and I looked at Troy and I said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And Troy jerked his head up and widened his eyes and said, where'd you get that crap? I said, Jesus Christ. Troy said, oh. Jaber says, it would have been a great moment in the history of Christianity, except I did not love Troy. First, we learn scripture. First, we learn it and we study. But I dare say that truly is the easy part, because what comes next? We've got to live it. So one of my favorite preachers has said, you can get an A in Bible and still flaunt Christianity. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Forgive us when we have memorized chapter and verse but forgotten to actually let it change us and shape our life. Teach us to love your word these ancient stories of faith that still have the power to speak to us, challenge us, reprove us again and again and again. Thanks be to God.